places, everyone. Quiet on the set. Curtains in five. Hello, and welcome to Footlights, a community theater podcast coming to you from the studios of WVIK Radio on the beautiful snow-covered campus of Augustana College in Rock Island, Illinois. I'm Chris Hicks. And joining me today as my co-host is former Footlights guest, Jake Ladd, whose presence is significant, but we'll learn about that in a little bit. So hello, Jake. Thanks for being here. Hello, Chris, and it's good to sit in with you again. Today's episode is being recorded on January 19th for release on January 29th because we are spotlighting a very special anniversary in the Quad Cities theater community. Playcrafters Barn Theater in Moline is celebrating its 95th anniversary of bringing quality entertainment to the Quad Cities. Joining us from Playcrafters is Kathy Graham. I only know Kathy through her work, so I'm excited to learn more about Playcrafters and about its upcoming season. Welcome, Kathy. Hello, thank you for having us. Well, we always start out with background, so. Uh, Well, (laughs) I am from Moline. I, uh, wife, mother, all that good stuff. I worked for many years in the business community um, administratively, and uh, I have always loved theater. Did a little bit in high school, a little bit in college, met my husband on stage which was interesting. That's a long story. We don't have time to go into it. And uh, then I was working with Moline High School for years. And then I was asked to uh, be an assistant director, a stage manager, to one of our my good friends at Playcrafters in 2019. I came in, and I haven't left yet. <laughs> so it's been, it's been a Real fun ride, and it's wonderful to see a little bit of a renaissance coming to Playcrafters. I agree, but I'm surprised. I would have thought you had been with Playcrafters much longer. Well, that's because Kathy has become indispensable (laughs) in the operation of Playcrafters. I totally can understand that. Um, So do you have a particular official position? I am now the president of the board of directors, um, and that basically means I do anything that everyone doesn't want to do. So, <laughs> no, uh, I have a wonderful, um, a wonderful board working with me. Uh, we're working very hard to, like I said, create a renaissance. Uh, we're wanting to build our audience, build our volunteer base, uh, put on fantastic shows, of course. And uh, really put our name out into the community. Uh, there's, it's amazing how many people in the Quad Cities don't even know that Playcrafters exists after it's been there for 95 years. I can believe that <laughs> because I had a long experience with Genesius Guild. And when I tried out there with, at my first audition, I had never heard of Genesius Guild before. My college director took me to Genesia Guild, so yes, I mm-hmm. can. But mm-hmm. it, it is more surprising with Playcrafters because you, uh, where Genesia Guild does classical theater and a lot of people have prejudice against uh, Shakespeare and Greek tragedy, Playcrafters does 
uh, we do the type a of lot of different things. And I have to tell you, I admire so much that you've started the Barn Owl series. I'm glad. Kathy, you, you should explain what that is. Barn Owl, the Barn Owl series is a opportunity for playcrafters to bring in new talent, new plays, uh, new subject matter, uh, maybe a little bit racy sometimes, sometimes not, uh, bringing up topics that maybe aren't covered in other theatrical productions. Um, and we like, there's sometimes generally a small cast. Uh, we had Stop Kiss last year, which uh, was a story on the LGBTQ community. Yep. This year we're doing Paint Night. Um, Paint Night is a new show. It is a Quad Cities premiere. It's almost a world premiere. We were we will be the second per people to produce this show. Wow. Um, it is by Carrie Krim. She's a upcoming wonderful, wonderful writer. And it is it is a fun show. We are going to have a paint and sip on stage, and it is going to be a blast. It's all women, six women, and it's going to be oh, a blast. Oh, so cool. I've been to those paint and sip things. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to have fun with that one. Well, as long as you talked about... Actually, I talked to Alicia Haynes. Um, not talked to her. I emailed her. We're getting a guest, another Footlights guest lined up. That she agreed to co-host with me on that one. And uh, she told me she auditioned for that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. she was kind of disappointed she didn't no. get hard. Well, she shouldn't be disappointed because she's, she's so now talented. the producer. <laughs> yeah, she's scared about that. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be great. Well, why don't you talk about the what other Barn Owl series you have coming up? Well, the other Barn Owl series is the actual close of our season, which is called Life Sucks. Uh, I think that pretty much describes itself. It is a um, a an adaptation of uh, Uncle Vanya, and it will be directed by one of our board members, Madison Dooling, and it is going to be, I think, quite a interesting show too. It's going to be fun. Oh wow! Now I'm excited. So. You said you've always loved theater. Mm -hmm. When did the bug bite you? How old were you? Hmm. Let's see. Well, I was a I was a classical organist, so that got me on stage, and I started that when I was eight. Uh, oh my gosh! <laughs> so uh, I think I I danced when I was twelve. I think my first theatrical part was probably when I was fourteen. Right. 14. And there was no going back no, after that? No, no. And of course, there was a long stretch of nothing when I had kids, but I lived vicariously through them. Because but, just they, as, but just as dramatic. Yes. And, well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and not only that, I lived vicariously through them because they were also in theater. So, oh, really? Yes. And my son still is. And I'm so proud that he does a lot of shows. And now you said he lives locally? Yes, he does. So where has he performed? Uh, he's Benjamin Rowboat Graham. <laughs> Rowboat is not his middle name, but he loves it. Uh, and uh, he has done Music Guild. He's done Genesius Guild. He has done, most recently, he was in uh, Much Ado About Nothing with Prenzy. Ah, okay. And yeah, he's, he's quite the quite the presence on stage. Well, I'm he's going a, to keep my guy. eye out for oh, him yes, now. Oh, yes, definitely. Uh-huh. Um, other than 
play crafters? Where have you spread your talent? Uh, we uh, last January, I had the opportunity and the the honor to be one of the few last people to be at Mockingbird on Main, oh. and I did um, a one woman show called Apples in Winter. And I reviewed that, and it was an excellent show. And you won a pie. And I won a pie. <laughs> I always figured that was like, you know, she's the reviewer, give her the pie. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was an actual drawing. Oh. It was an actual drawing. <laughs> and so is Mockingbird the only other place you've been? Uh, locally, yes. Yeah. Um, I really haven't spread my wings too awfully much since I've gotten older. Um, it was mostly... Being a board member tends to clip your wings just a bit, too, so... Tad bit. <laughs> it takes, oh, it takes oh, time. I get it. It takes up a lot yeah, of time. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing paint night. I'm in paint night, and then I'll direct the following show, um, House of Blue Leaves. <laughs> I almost lost the title. And uh, I'll direct that one. And then after that, I'm done for the year because I have a lot to do. We have a 95th birthday party coming up. Ooh. So, yeah. I think it's also interesting to mention that uh, Playcrafters and their 95th season, Playcrafters is the oldest co continuously operating community theater in the Midwest. Oh, in the Midwest. In the Midwest. And that's often lost, too, in the, in the as you are walking around that facility and uh, worrying about uh, entrances and exits and sets and painting and Squirrels. delivery and, <laughs> and animals trying to get in <laughs> to the barn, um, you forget that there is a legacy and a history there oh, that's definitely. very important. Well, maybe we can relate some of that for our listeners who aren't aware of it. Well, um, I don't do math in my head, so what... What is 95 from 2024? 1924. 1929. 1929, yes. Yeah, when they began. Um, that was done, it was started by a group of theatrical people throughout the Quad Cities, both sides of the river, who were like a traveling troubadour troupe, and they would go wherever they could find a place. And they would put on new shows, plays, skits, do readings, um, and it was the Depression, so oh, right. they were doing it out of their own pocket. They would charge 25, 35 cents. And if you couldn't afford that, they'd let you in. And they would go very many, you know, they were at the plantation. They were at uh, Rock Island's Little Theater. I love that theater. Little Theater at Rock Island High School. You should oh, go. Oh, oh, I love that theater. It's so art deco. It's so cute. If you ever get a chance, go there. It's cool. <laughs> and... Uh, they, they used that as their home for several years, and then the, um, the barn presented itself. Uh, it was a... And what year was that? 1959. The barn was originally the experimental barn for John Deere. Mm -hmm. And... It was part of also the Illinois... Illinois one of the universities also used it as an experimental barn, too. It so. was... The property was donated... Mm -hmm. But it was a barn. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> along with the barn came some property and cows and goats <laughs> and pigeons and all sorts of animals living in the barn. And three feet of manure. Three feet of impacted manure had to be removed in order to find the floor. <laughs> and that took a period of years to do. 
Um, Yuck. Yeah. This is uh, Bob Sonneville. Bob Sonneville. That was absolutely dedicated to Playcrafters' new barn theater. And uh, he built a lot of what is there now. He put up walls, he painted, he fundraised, he continuously hit up all of his buddies and extended folk for, for funds and kept it going. He directed some plays, he occasionally appeared in some plays, mm -hmm. and um, was the general manager of the theater. At the time, they referred to him as the barn manager uh, for almost four decades until his passing in 1989. So uh, uh, Playcrafters is a very interesting history that only became Playcrafters Barn Theater with the, with the acquisition of the actual barn. <laughs> <laughs> Prior to that, they were Playcrafters. Right, right. So. And, uh, you know, their first play was Born Yesterday. And it was that. October 5th in 1960. So it was quite some time ago that the opening show hit the stage. And it would be interesting if, I know we don't have it in our repertoire for this season, but coming up on the 100th, we would like to set up the future to maybe conclude that in their season. That would be interesting. It's a wonderful show. Yeah. You know, we have, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with um, Richmond Hill Players. Mm -hmm. That is also a, a barn. barn. And as I told Jake recently, I, my concept of how big things are has to be in relation to a football field. <laughs> and so Playcrafters playing space is far more generous than Richmond Hill. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, a barn looks like a barn to me. So the Richmond Hill one must be much smaller, but I don't realize it. Uh, I have not been backstage or in any of their uh, storage or preparatory areas. Um, I've only been in the theater itself. But yes, their stage is in the round. It's a very, um, very tight space to it's act in. It's very tight space. Yes. Um, I've, so. I've done in the round. It's, it's hard. Um, and uh, then... Ours is what is called a thrust stage, which is the audience is on all three sides. You have a proscenium up, up stage, and then it juts out into the audience, um, which is also challenging for actors. Um, Jake knows this. He's directing at the moment. It requires um, two different disciplines from actors. There's a traditional styles that actors mm -hmm. are familiar with, working on a proscenium stage. And then they're also in a three-quarter round situation mm -hmm. where movement has to be almost constant so that the audience can see you on all three sides and hear you. So it's a workout. It is definitely a workout, the cast. Mm -hmm. You have directed. Mm -hmm. You have acted. Have you done any other backstage mm -hmm. type of work? What oh, would yeah. that be? I've done makeup, hair, Although I joke around in Moline High School, that I always said I don't do hair, but it was, I learned to do hair, uh, mostly specialty type things. Like, um, like. Uh, well, they did Ephigenia one year, and it was really? Calvin Vo directed. 
Ah. And uh, Calvin. Oh, that's when he was a teacher there, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and he was (laughs) in his typical avant-garde style. He did Iphigenia, which is Greek, and did it in Kabuki style. Uh, It was all in... (laughs) Yes, I know. Okay, my my brain is... um... Spinning inside my skull. Uh, yes, it is. It was quite a challenge. Um, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. As a matter of fact, it was the last show done in the old Moline High School Theater before they re- oh. redid it. Um, it was an absolutely beautiful show, and I learned to do kabuki makeup and kabuki hair with all the stuff that wow, goes in I it. Wish, I did not dresses. hear about that. I wish I would have known because I, I live the, a hop, skip, and a jump from the high school. I built all the headdresses and um, all the hair paraphernalia that went in it. and It was awesome. really fun. It was really fun. We also did um, Tristan Tapscott directed... Um, the ubiquitous Tristan Tapscott. <laughs> did um, Romeo and Juliet at Moline High School. And we did it in steampunk, steampunk style. And Steam it was what? steampunk. What does that mean? It, kind of an industrial look. I saw a great production of Romeo and Juliet in St. Louis at the Black Rep Theater. Uh-huh. And they set it in St. Louis in mm. the 1960s. Oh. And they had the 60s music in it at the <laughs> and instead of a banquet, it was a backyard barbecue. It was oh, fabulous. Wow. That yeah. would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, so. we had fun with those. But I, in answer to your question, I've done makeup, hair, some costuming, not a lot, but I've done some. Um, I've been and stage manager. And only since manager. 2019, are you ever home? Oh, no, 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 oh. no. I've done that throughout the years. Um, here, yeah, I've done a little bit of everything. Oh. Whatever I, anyone needs to do. And by the way, do. Chris, so that you know, Kabuki is the next step for... <laughs> current production. <laughs> well, I like since, that since you were asking makeup. about makeup and hair earlier. So. Oh. oh. You, we will get into why Jake said that in a little bit. <laughs> Do you have a bucket list show you'd like to direct or act in? Mm. I it changes. I, I read new shows and then I like them, and or I see new shows and I like them. And right now, at this moment in time, at eleven thirty on I'm January, doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it. House of Blue Leaves. <laughs> I'm sorry, House of Blue Leaves. I'm doing. Um, it was one of my bucket lists. Um, and, I am not familiar with that script. What's oh, it about? Oh, it is a wonderful show. It's um, uh, Artie Tra- Shaughnessy is a a dreamer. He's a uh, He's a zookeeper, but he lives in New York City. Um, it's October of 1964, the day that the Pope comes to New York. Ooh. And it's a farce. It's a dark comedy farce, wouldn't you say? I'm unfamiliar with the show. Oh, you are? I am, so I'm excited I'm to see. shocked. Anyway. <laughs> so he's a zookeeper. Do you need an elephant? I'm no, 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 no. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's just uh, his day job. Uh, he wants to be a... Um, He's he's an up and coming in his eyes, um, composer. He wants to put his his songs into film, and he has a um, buddy from his grade school, you know, his uh, childhood days, uh, who is a director in Hollywood, 
And he keeps saying, oh, he's going to get me out to Hollywood and I'm going to be in his movies and all this stuff. Well, that's just him. Then you've got his schizophrenic wife who lives with him, Bananas. And if I had a bucket list part, that would be it. Um, and his girlfriend downstairs, <laughs> Bunny, who the name describes her quite well. Now, this isn't one of the Barn Owl series. This no, is regular. Okay. This is regular. Um, it has that 1960s feel because it's not dirty it, at all. It, it I don't even know if it has a swear word in it. It might. Yeah, it does. Never mind. Um, but uh, it, uh, Bunny is um, basically a gold digger. She's trying to get to Hollywood, too. Uh -huh. um, but she she won't sleep with him. Or, no, she'll sleep with him. She won't cook for him. <laughs> because Which is why she's still single. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, she says that she's, she's okay. She's okay at um, the other thing. So, uh, but she's really, really good cook. So she doesn't have anything to hold out for if she doesn't. <laughs> oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. But anyway, it's the whole comedy of errors of of him trying to get she wants to go see the Pope so that she he can bless his songs so that they can get to Hollywood oh, and meet wow. Billy and his buddy and and bananas needs to go into a home and, and bananas is there and she acts like a dog half the time and um they have a son who's gone AWOL from the army who climbs in through the window and he wants to blow up the Pope and, uh, and then you got nuns and you got cops and you got all kinds of things. Wow, that poster sure doesn't say that. <laughs> it's a beautiful poster, yes. but it's isn't it a, a it's tree? A tree with and the leaves look like birds. I mean, there's They're blue birds. birds flying around, mm -hmm. and it kind of looks like leaves that on the tree. That is part of part of the charm of the show. It's part of the it's a plot line. Yeah. Well, going back to one of your other shows, I just adored Sylvia. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> that was the most fun show I've seen in a very, very long time. And the little gal who played Sylvia was oh, just Adrian amazing. Jane. Adrian Jane. She is amazing. Um, that she... was the first play I saw at Playcrafters after moving here. Oh, really? Wonderful show. Yeah, she she is, when I read the script, uh, you try not to precast, but I knew it was her. <laughs> it was like I had so many people audition for that part, and they were all good. But she just was Sylvia. She just was. She exuded that yes. part. She really yes. did. And I and the the contrast in personalities in the actors too. Mm -hmm. They it was just a great cast. And then of course you got Thane. Thane Lamb. I adored him in that show. I love Thane. That's what I always say. Whenever I talk about Thane, I say I love Thane. Um he and he was three parts in that show. And, I know. <laughs> and then in Almost Maine, he was three parts. So if he's in a play with me, he has to have three parts. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> no, he's an amazing kid. I love him. Well, let's get in to your premiere show for your 95th season. As mentioned earlier, <laughs> my co-host, Jake, is the director of... It's the 80th anniversary this year of the production of Harvey by Mary Chase. Thank you. 
And it's a Pulitzer Prize winner? Yes. In 1945, it won the Pulitzer Prize, beating out... Beating... Oh, um... Glass a glass menagerie. That's right. I love glass menageries. It is, to this day, the still the sixth longest-running play in Broadway history. Really? Yes. Oh. Even longer running than Barefoot in the Park. Wow. Well, give me some background of Harvey. Why, you, you have mentioned to me in the past that it has themes, so why it, don't we get into that a little bit? It does have themes, and uh, one of the recurring themes in the play is a theme that recurs in all of Mary Chase's plays. She wrote 14 plays and a number of screenplays. People oh. are not aware of that. Wow. Um, None of them had the success that mm-hmm. Harvey had on Broadway. Um, but Mary Chase... Can I interrupt just a sec? What year did it was that? Was that it came That it was premiered? It opened on Broadway in 1944. Wow. Okay. So 80 okay. years ago this year. See, I told you I didn't do math in my <laughs> Which is interesting to note because when the show opened, Playcrafters had already been in business 15 years. <laughs> exactly. Longer than a lot of theaters survive. Anyway, Mary Chase was experiencing in life a theme that she wrote about in all her, or included in all of her her work, <clears throat> and that had to do with uh, acceptance, and particularly acceptance by society. She wanted to be, she was a lifelong Denver resident, and she wanted to be accepted by Denver society. But they viewed her as just a wife who was dabbling in writing on the side. And uh, she was quite frustrated by that. And when Harvey opened uh, in New York, um, Mary Chase, her fortunes were, of course, changed immediately. She became a millionaire. And suddenly, all of Denver society wanted to include her. And this was a, uh, uh, created a lot of, you know, dissonance in her psychologically. She became an alcoholic and eventually recovered, became a recovering alcoholic. But uh, her life took a very negative twist for a long time because of the success of the show and what it did for her personal finances. Now, she arrived in New York for the debut of the show wearing a borrowed dress and shoes that had holes through the soles. She oh. was, they were not well, well moneyed, her family. And a note in her pocket from her husband saying that regardless of how the show went, that she was loved and adored by not only him but their children. Oh, how sweet. So people may not be familiar with the script, Harvey. They may only have a vague idea of it. Can we go into what that's about? Well, a lot of people are familiar with the 1959 movie. With Jimmy Stewart. With Jimmy Stewart. Um, And the storyline is very... It's the same storyline, but it opened up, of course, for film, as they have to. But the play is about a very gentle man, Elwood P. Dowd, who lives uh, in his uh, family estate 
with his sister, Vita, and his niece, Myrtle May. And Elwood has uh, an imaginary, uh, or I should say an invisible, but not entirely imaginary best friend named Harvey, who happens to be a six foot, three and a half foot tall white rabbit. That in the beginning of the play, we assume only Elwood can see. But as the play unfolds, we find out that nearly everyone in the play can see Harvey. They just choose not to. Choose not to, choose not to accept the idea of it. And the play deals with themes of what is real and what is not. It deals with mental illness and the questions of mental illness. Pretty early on in, in uh, American history for that to be done in a, mm-hmm. in oh, a yeah, right. major professional production. And, um, and it deals with reality versus non-reality. It deals with the acceptance of who people are as being good people regardless of their peculiarities. Idiosyncrasies. Yeah. <laughs> Eccentricities, let's say. Oh, but, I'm going to have to look those two words up now. And but with all of that, <laughs> with all of that, it is a very standard farce. And it's a very presentational style of theater. It's a very, very funny play. Um, and being a farce, it has all of the classical elements of uh, confused identities and improbable situations that somehow seem probable to the audience mm-hmm. and therefore quite funny. Or as, as they say in the play, stands to reason not everyone has seen a six-foot white rabbit. <laughs> Gee, that's, that's something. Um, Kathy, what else can you share? Well, I, I wanted to say that um, he touched on that, you know, Harvey has, has a theme with mental illness and uh, pretty much un, kind of unplanned, but it kind of worked out. Uh, most of, of the shows in our season have some type of underlying theme of mental illness. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, Some people would say that to work in the theater for an extended yeah. amount of time, you will develop oh, some most form definitely. of mental yeah. illness. <laughs> uh, so, you know, paint night, uh, They there's one, there's a couple of different things um, of characters that are not in the play but are part of the plot line um, have... The, the women are dealing with their type of problems. Um, that's in Paint Night. The following show, House of Blue Leaves, of course, his wife, who has uh, schizophrenia, and having to deal with what to do about that and how to deal with her and um, still love her but can't live with her type thing. Um, and again, that's 1960s. So that's... That's something. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the following show is The Bad Seed, which we... Ooh, yes, that's a creepy show. It's a creepy show, and obviously there's some insanity going on there. Um, following that is Charlotte's Web, which is the most normal show we have. Now, um, I saw that on the poster mm-hmm, the other day, and, mm-hmm. and what... 
what brought you to, to do Charlotte's Web? Well, we want to do one that involves children, uh, that brings in families. Um, we will be casting children. I will be bringing my gra- my <laughs> pretend grandchildren. Oh, okay. And uh, they we will have them playing the animals, of course, the barnyard animals. Um, we hope to get a very very talented uh, Wilbur and Charlotte and and uh, Fern. That's um, going to be a challenge costuming. Oh yes, I'm hoping to kind of help with costuming on that one. I've done Charlotte's Web before. And oh, you it's, have. It's it's a fun show to do. Um, uh, representational costuming for the animals is is the best way to go, and it's it's the most interesting. It's easiest to. This is going to be fun. This <laughs> and, is going to be fun. And then um, after Charlotte's Web, we um, let's see. After that, that's July, August. We have a month off, which is where we will put our celebration. And we haven't had we're just in the beginning phases of planning on that so we don't even have a date yet so Ah. we'll work on that and then in september mike schultz will be directing oh mike (laughs) we'll be directing streetcar named desire oh Um, so that is a big one um we're really really looking forward to that one he did such an incredible job with 12 angry jurors yes he did oh my gosh and that one's a hard one to do because it can be boring, but man, it was not. Right, because there's really so good. not a whole lot of action or mm-hmm. it's all dialogue driven. Mm-hmm. But I loved the way he had the actors mm-hmm. come out and turn the table. Mm-hmm. Oh, that oh. was so good. Yes, it was. And he had a couple newbies in that show, too, that have really risen in theater in the Quad Cities. I don't remember their names, unfortunately, but amazing. Um, then after that, we will do the humans. Um, I'm sorry, the what? The humans. Humans? Humans. It is a story of a family in um, the South, I believe. And you know more about it, don't you? I, I don't, don't, actually. Don't, it's don't. another play I have never um, seen. And I have not read the script. I, am, I will admit to that. Um, the director, who is also on our board, is Jane Watson. She is going to be directing it, and she is very excited about it. She's nervous, but she's very excited about it. Uh, it has it takes place during Thanksgiving gathering of this family. There's a lot of a lot of uh, problems amongst them, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's a very interesting Jane show. Jane Watson. Of all the theater I've gone to, and thankfully that WVIK has enhanced by letting me review for them um i don't recall her name you don't because she has not done anything in the quad cities recently ah. uh, as a matter is fact, she a, i don't believe is she a she's, native quad Cityan or a no she comes from new york oh, okay. um she was a native quad Cityan, but in her adult life she moved to new york and was there and that's where she went to school got her theater degree theater management degree, and um, she's been working very hard in the in the office at Playcrafter. She's our grant writer, and ah. and she's doing a lot of really hard, hard work that I give her massive praise for. Um, grant writing is yes, so complicated. Yes. She is our fundraising chair, and uh, she will be the first to say, give us money. <laughs> and uh, then... Um, we close out the show with, or the season with um, Life Sucks, which we thought was 
kind of funny. <laughs> closing, a sh closing a season with life sucks. But at the same time, I wish we would have thought of ending it on a little more lilty note. But <laughs> that'll be all what, right. November? That will be November. Yes. Yeah, the one that takes place at Thanksgiving is mm -hmm. when you should have done. I know. We should have done the humans at Thanksgiving, but we were wanting um, streetcar and humans to be back to back because of the set. Ah. The okay. set, uh, we're hoping to kind of use portions of the sets. Because they both have two-story sets. Of course, Harvey leads in a little bit to Easter. We have an early Easter this year. <laughs> early yes, Easter. it does. Yes, it does. So. That was part of the proposal. <laughs> <laughs> I should mention Jake was the one who suggested to Playcrafters that they mm -hmm. reprise Harvey. Mm -hmm. It was done back in 89, I, I think? Nine years ago. Nine years Nine ago. Nine years yeah. ago. Yeah. Whenever 2015. For those who are... Math, math challenge. Yes. I am Two. very math challenged. <laughs> it has been done three times, I believe, by Playcrafters. Well, I thought it's I an saw oldie but a goodie. Well, after all, Playcrafters is, as we now know. <laughs> I thought I saw a photograph. Mm -hmm. They have, if you haven't ever been to Playcrafters Theater, they have a lot of photos of past productions, and they labeled them. And I thought just last night that I saw a Harvey picture. And I thought it said 1989, but we can't trust my memory. <laughs> well, Chris, you have neglected to mention the female lead in the show. And yes, the, I have. the actress playing that part. <laughs> and the inspired casting. <laughs> and that, that Jake is probably is. regretting by this time. <laughs> Chris is very graciously and humorously agreed to play Vita. And she is, from what I hear, I have not sat in on a rehearsal yet, but uh, I hear that she is quite the perfect person for Vita. Well, gosh. <laughs> Actually, we were sitting in, I was fortunate enough to sit in as a co-host uh, uh, for an interview with another theater person, Mike Schmidt from Music Guild. And as we were leaving the studio, and I was in the midst of arranging for auditions for the show, I said to Chris, have you thought about doing a play? And Chris turned to me and said, oh, I haven't been on, on the stage in how many years, did you say? Uh, probably close to 30. And then turned and walked away. <laughs> and... And then kept contacting me about going to auditions, <laughs> I, which I, I kept throwing barricades at. Yes. The first one being the auditions uh, were being held the weekend of my son's yes, wedding. Yes, you made up some crazy nonsense about your son getting married <laughs> and that you had to be there. And then, <laughs> and, and then I got a text, oh, we're having second auditions the following weekend uh, uh, from in the morning. But then the heat went out at the barn. <laughs> And they had to postpone auditions to repair the heat. And I got a text, can you come at 3.30? And another barricade. <laughs> I said, well, no, we go to mass and we have <laughs> sacristan duties at 4 o'clock mass, so I can't oh, do church. that. Well, can you come at 5.30? <laughs> it was like he wasn't going to give up. So I went and read and hoped it wasn't good enough. <laughs> and that... that is history, and then Chris has lost her evenings 
Monday through Friday ever since. Yes, it almost caused an argument at home. <laughs> Chris is phenomenal in the part. And we have a, an amazingly talented cast. And um, the other two gals are so cute. They're just so cute. Yes, they are. Katie, Katie Durbridgeshire is, she is, uh, I'm trying to remember her maiden name. It's eluding me. She just was married this last year. And, uh, but Katie has been around, she's been on other, in other shows. She is fantastic. She was just recently in um, Sense and Sensibility at Playcrafters. Right. Mm -hmm. And she is just so versatile and so good and so professional. And, and she has the best line in the play, in my opinion. She plays Myrtle May. And what would that be, Chris? I'm like my father's side of the family. They're all dead. <laughs> uh, and then um, the other is uh, Cassidy, Cassidy Holdridge. Holdridge, who is, I love Cassidy. She is just. She is so adorable. Yes, she is. She's beautiful physically and inter internally. She, she is, is perfectly amazing. cast in this show. Mm -hmm. And she she is playing the part of, I'm remembering. Nurse Kelly. Nurse Kelly, that's it. Uh, her her chemistry with her opposite is uh, who's played by Zach Zelnio, Dr. Sanderson, is just amazing, and they are incredibly fun to watch mm -hmm. on stage. She is just so alive. I just an interesting a bit of casting is the role of Elwood P. Dowd. Elwood is played by Skip Greer, and the unique part of that is that Skip is the lead vocalist for the punk rock band, the Dead Kennedys, which no. if you've been around this planet a while. Is that a professional group? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yes. worldwide known, yeah. The Dead Kennedys and uh, I guess the Sex Pistols were they the just two groups that, that were the, uh, basically invented the, the punk rock genre. And punk rock, and how the, did and I not is, hear about it? And the band is still around. Uh, and in this most recent incarnation of the group. And he lives in Mercer County? And mm -hmm. he's like worldwide? Mm -hmm. So huh. we have lost him to a number of scheduling issues here and there when they are performing dates. Uh, but um, uh, so it's a very unique cast, you know, when we grab the local theater critic and drag <laughs> her out from under her notepad and pencil and put a script in her hand. And we grabbed the local vocalist for the punk rock band, the Dead Kennedys. Well, now I wish I were revealing it. <laughs> so it's a fascinating uh, uh, process. You can interview him. Well, now he's going to have to be a guest on the podcast. <laughs> oh, he'd love to, I'm sure. He's he's a very personable young um, man. Um, he, he's well, got was, a very interesting humor. and. Well, I was taken by... He doesn't sound like, but evokes Jimmy Stewart, mm -hmm. if that, there's you understand about, what I'm saying. Yeah, there's something about his cadence that is similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, it'll be a terrific production. And, uh, I, and it opens February 9th. It does, and it runs for two weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, closing on the 18th of February, and Sunday performances are matinee performances. Mm -hmm. At 3 p.m. That's right. 
Well, Kathy, we Mm -hmm. always end the podcast with the same question. Hmm. Okay, it's Friday night. I don't have anywhere else to go. Why should I? And Quad Cities has so many offerings of different entertainment genres. Mm -hmm. Why should I go to a community theater production? To a community theater production or just Playcrafters? A. A. This is a community theater podcast. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Uh, Because the arts are very important. Uh, They evoke learning and they open up worlds. Um, The community is enriched by the arts. Community theater has gives the opportunity of people to come and be a part of a family. I, I go because I love it. Um, some people have never been. and Isn't that a shame? Yes. There are a variety yes. of reasons why people should go to community theater. One is it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. If nothing else. And it is uh, important to the arts, as Kathy's pointing mm-hmm. out. But you also get the opportunity as an audience member to discover new talent. Mm. Up-and-coming talent to, as Kathy also was pointing out, to expand your knowledge of other worlds. I mean, you can walk into any community theater and be transported to, in this case, 1944 Denver and the Dowd family Mm -hmm. and come back next next week or next production and you might be seeing... uh, You might be seeing Uncle Vanya in Mm -hmm. some form or you might be seeing a musical... At music guild. Go to a barnyard in a barn. My personal, (laughs) an aspect I like is you could be going to a community theater and seeing your neighbor performing or a co-worker and you see them in a whole different light and Mm -hmm. that's just amazing to me. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for being a guest again. Our guest is Kathy Graham. I'm Chris Hicks. And I'm Jake Ladd. Break Break a leg. leg. Thanks for listening to Footlights, a community theater podcast from the Quad Cities. Footlights is a production of WVIK, Quad Cities, NPR. If you'd like to explore more podcasts from WVIK or support our work, you can do that at WVIK.org or by downloading the WVIK app.